Hello again, everybody. This is John Norris at Trading Perspectives. As always, we have our very good friend, Sam Clement. Sam, say hello. How's it going, John? I'm doing all right. Sam, you know, we have another special guest today. Two in a row. Two in a row. Three in all. And, you know, we're going to be trying to do this more and more moving forward. But I figure today's special guest might have a little bit of additional insight, maybe more so than you and me, or you and I. I'm not sure what the English grammar should be there, regarding something that's happening at the end of the month. Do you know of anything that's special that's happening at the end of this month? Oh, a few things. No, well, I mean, humor me. What do you think one of them is? Maybe Brexit. That's right, Brexit. Uh, you see our very good friend and co-worker, David McGrath, down in our South Alabama office, which is also known as Mobile, is actually... Um, about as Irish as you can get without being an Irishman. I mean, by, by that, it's more than my great-grandfather being named Murphy or what have you. David's um, aunts, uncles, first cousins, all of that jazz live in Ireland, Ireland are Irishmen, and David's father is Irish himself. Uh, his whole family's Irish. David is an Irishman, but he does not hold an Irish passport. So more Irish than you and I. Is what you're uh, more Irish than just about anyone. I mean, actually, strangely enough, he is more Irish than Eamon de Valera, who is the first president of the Republic of Ireland. There you have it. Strangely enough. So, David, with that as an intro, how are you doing this morning? I am fabulous. Thank you, John, for that kind introduction. <laughs> apart, apart from being Irish, which is only one of his many attributes, David is a very bright guy, very personal guy, and a wonderful addition to our team here at Oakworth Capital Bank. So, David, uh, knowing what you know about the overall Irish character and European character just in general, and with the Brexit coming up, uh, you know and I know that one of the stumbling blocks um, for the Brexit deal and it's often overlooked here in the U.S., is the issue with the land barrier between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And that's something that we just wouldn't think of uh, ordinarily here in the U.S., but there are two countries on a relatively small island. Right. And so what happens if all of a sudden Britain's not part of the EU any longer? What happens to this land barrier, this, this land border between these two countries? David, you've been to Ireland numerous times. You tell me. I mean, what do you think the logistics here are? Well, it, it's it's actually very difficult because, you know, before the uh, the, the the border became a soft border um, twenty years ago or so, the you know, the, there are a lot of country roads and, and small roads that that cross between the Republic and going into the Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. um, up to three hundred, and you know, we're only talking about a. 300-mile border, so you can see the logistic issues with trying to control that. And what happened in, you know, there are a lot of talks about the troubles in in Ireland from the Mm -hmm. 60s to the 80s, um, and and a lot of this was caused when that border was shut down. And there there are fears that the the relative peace that we've had in Ireland for the last 20 years – could be in jeopardy if if we put it back up a hard border, and and that is really the concerns in Ireland. And if if you go over there right now, it's and you drive from the Republic of Ireland to Northern Ireland, the only way you tell you crossed over is Northern Ireland uses miles per hour versus kilometers in the Republic, and so it, there, there's really no border at all there right now. And so people come and go and, and live in the Republic of Ireland to work in the north and, and vice versa. And if, if you all of a sudden, sudden shut down the roads, um, block a lot of the country roads, and, and only have a few main access points, you're going to have a you know, several-hour delay trying to get into the north or in, into the Republic of Ireland. And 
it's going to make life very difficult for people to live there. So something that's been agreed upon by both sides for any deal to happen is this necessary backup plan, as they say, um, something to rely on if there is some no no deal, some hard exit. What do you think that looks like? Well, the, the, here's, and the problem with that is if, if you um, – because Northern Ireland is the only country in the, in the UK that it would have a land border. Mm-hmm. So if if you say anyone from Northern Ireland, if you want to go to Scotland or to England, it's it's like going into another country. You have to go through customs, the whole thing. It makes Northern Ireland feel separated from the UK, which they don't want. So for so, all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, right now it's kind of like one country. You can pass back and forth. You can trade back and forth without any sort of customs or anything along those correct. lines. Correct. So right now, I mean, and I, I've never been to Ireland, but it sounds like, David, what you're telling me is going from the Republic into Northern Ireland or going from the Republic in a ferry ride across to Wales um, really isn't terribly different than crossing over into Georgia or Florida. And, and that's correct. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, one of the things that um, all of the fighting has been over is that the, the, the Catholics or the, the, the Irish, if you will, that live in Northern Ireland – don't want to be a part of the UK. And back in the 20s when the separation occurred, mm-hmm. about 65% of the population were Protestant, 35% Catholic. It's almost 50-50 now. Oh, okay. So, you know, if you have a if you put up the the you know, the border again and all of a sudden you have to bring in British troops to control the border, it it really could flare tensions. And and that's and that's a big concern. And I, and uh, and let me riddle you this one. Um, understanding that Ulster has had the troubles in the past and what have you, and just the overall kind of sense of, particularly in the twenties and the time, I mean, in the Civil War and what have you, a very strong anti-English sentiment in Ireland in general. That's part of the reason why it's actually not part of the Commonwealth, if I understand that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, will the Brexit, particularly if it does lead to a hard uh, hard exit and it leads to some kind of rehardening of the border between the, the Republic and Northern Ireland, would this inflame those traditional or historical anti-English feelings again in Ireland, do you think? Um, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't think there's a tremendous anti-British feel in, in Ireland right now. I mean, if you look, you know, when you have the royal family went to go visit Dublin a year or so ago, I mean, they had parades for them. You know, that oh, really? Was, Oh yeah, and um, so I, I don't think there's an anti-British feel, but I think there is a a feeling that it doesn't make a lot of sense to have those borders there when so much commerce happens between the North and the Republic of Ireland. So, so I think for, it's going to be more of a commercial reason, not a traditional. We don't want to be, you know, anything to do with the British. So if I'm not mistaken, tourism is a huge part of the whole Irish economy. How do how do you think that changes? How do you think you know almost splitting into two countries? I know they are, but for all intents and purposes, being one right now, how do, how does tourism change going forward? Do you think? You know, I I don't think it would have a tremendous effect, to be honest with you, Sam. I mean, because Ireland would still be part of the EU, so people could travel very easily, and and you know, flights on Ryanair. You know, into into Dublin and Shannon, they're very easy and cheap. So I don't think it would affect the Republic. I think it may have an effect on the North because if if 
someone takes a trip to Dublin, they're not going to probably drive to Belfast if they have to wait in a two or three hour line and you have to go through and you're worried about tensions and, and, and conflict. So it, it, it probably would have an impact on Northern Ireland more than it would re the Republic. Okay. Uh, well, that, that makes all the sense in the world. And, and let me ask you one more thing, I mean, obviously about the border here between the two countries. Do you think it possible, David, that if there is a hard Brexit or a hard exit and they do, and the EU does try to re-harden the borders, which is something that no one wants, that ultimately Dublin would choose maybe not to enforce this rehardening of the borders as effectively or as, as tenaciously as they might otherwise, uh, leading to maybe sort of a more open border, sort of like maybe what we have with Canada. Uh, do you think that would be a possibility? Um, I think coming into – and I would liken it more to the Mexican border. I think it would be fairly easy to go from the U.S. to Mexico. I think it would be difficult to, to go from, the, from Mexico to the U.S. I think – Part of the reason for Brexit is uh, the, the the people on in England, for the most part, uh, want to be able to control who comes in their country, and I think it, it they're going to make a hard border, and it's going to be somewhat strenuous to get into Northern Ireland because at that point you can have easy access to Scotland and Wales and, and England. So well, I, I think the the British would make it more difficult to get into Northern Ireland than the Irish would into the Republic. I hear you, which is actually kind of comical because if I'm not mistaken, per capita income in the Republic is many, many times higher than what it is in Northern Ireland. So yes. Our, yes. unlike our southern border with the with Mexico, where you would have you know Central America and Mexico, where our standard of living, our per capita income is so much higher than that in Central America. Um, and if this were to happen, what your scenario is, it would be the actual, actual, the poorer country trying to keep the people from the richer country out. Correct. There's probably not too right. many examples of that that you see going on right now. <laughs> I don't get things. Well, and, and I've got one more twist for you that one of the things that could lead to, um, almost, and I'm not going to say unification of Ireland, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility if there is a hard border there considering the um, the Good Friday Agreement said mm -hmm. that if, if the majority of people in Northern Ireland would want to reunify with Ireland, they could call a vote. Um, and one of the things that has happened is some sporting teams have combined in Ireland. So they the had, I think it was a women's field hockey team got to the semifinals of the Field Hockey World Cup, which was kind of inspiring for the whole country, for the, for the whole island, if you will. Um, you know, one of the things that if you look at the World Cup teams from Ireland and Northern Ireland, both have been very close to qualifying but haven't, haven't done it. And um, I think a lot of people think if you had a united Irish team, they could be formidable. And so it could be that sport ends up having uh, an impact in how people feel. So you can see that kind of being a bridge to an agreement between Northern Ireland and the Republic? Well, and, and I think that's one of the reasons that they're, they're very concerned how this Brexit plays out because they want Northern Ireland to feel a part of the UK. And if, if, they, if they end up having a soft border and hardening the border for the other countries in the UK so the citizens of, of Northern Ireland have a hard time getting into England or Wales or Scotland, all of a sudden it makes more sense at that point just to unify Ireland.
So what would you put the odds of that happening at, in your opinion? Uh, in the next 20 years, not great. Maybe 10%, if, if that. But I think 20, 30 years from now, um, I think as the Irish population in, in Northern Ireland or, or the, the Catholic population is probably the easiest way to count it. Um, most people think in the next five or 10 years, the Catholics will, will outnumber the Protestants in Northern Ireland. And at that point, a vote could be possible to unify. Hmm. And actually, I, I think we're a ways away from that. Even if it's not on, on religious grounds, if we do lead to the hard Brexit and it does have a hardening of the borders, I don't envision that's necessarily going to be good for the Northern Ireland economy. I could see even Protestants getting frustrated with this and voting for going their own way, I would exactly. imagine. And particularly yeah. for dealing with sort of a, a 50-50 split now or 55-45 you make any sort of change to standard of living, I'm, if, you know, people people tend to vote with their wallet. They vote with their wallet and their religion. So uh, if the wallet supersedes religion in Northern Ireland due to changing economic uh, circumstances, uh, London could have a situation on their hands. Yes, I would I would agree with that. Okay, now shifting gears from the border, I, I want to ask you, when, when you're talking to your dad, and I know that your dad spends about, what, half the year in San Diego and half the year in Ireland, is that about right? Correct. That's about right. Um, we, do you all ever talk when you talk or or, or exchange emails or whatnot? Is, this, is Brexit even a topic of conversation with you and your, your father or your Irish relatives at all? I mean, does this ever come up? You know, I, I talk with my dad about Brexit um, a few months ago. My, my, my daughter is doing study abroad in Dublin this semester, and she was spending some time in Northern Ireland. And we talked about it at that point, and he says that the vast majority of people in Ireland do not want – uh, Brexit to happen because they're just happy with the peace. Because right now, the people in Northern Ireland that consider themselves Irish, there's nothing to really make you feel like you, you're not a part of Ireland. You can drive wherever you want to. It's it's a, you know that ease um, has really eased the tensions. And I think people just like the status quo and, and don't want anything to change. So my dad's about as non-political as as people can get, but. But he, you know, kind of lets me know that the, the vast majority of people don't want anything to change as it is right now. So at least in terms of the Irish and your relatives, it's less of a concern about any sort of long-term economic policy or what have you. It's more of a concern about we don't want to go back to the time of the troubles. Exactly. Yep. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so, peace and prosperity are both good things. <laughs> so, so ultimately, I mean, that's if that's what the Irish are worried about, and it, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and if they do reharden the border, there's a greater likelihood that the troubles could, you know, come back. Maybe not to the degree that it was earlier when we were when we were younger, uh, but but what happens if all of a sudden there's a soft exit? And there's no rehardening of the borders, uh, UK is out of, uh, of the EU. Do you think that changes the Irish opinion of Northern Ireland uh, in general, or even the British? And, and what do you think uh, could happen between cross-country uh, trade uh, between Ireland and the UK? I understand that both are major trading partners with one another. Yeah, no, I don't envision a lot of change. I mean, I, I don't think there's animosity between the countries at all. So I, I think it's just whatever makes most economic sense for the, the, the people that, that they'll be for. So I, I, don't, I don't sense a animosity t 
towards one country or, or another. Um, so I, I can't envision a lot of, of change in that, John. So we've kind of circled the wagon around this whole topic, but I want to kind of get your overall prediction and expectation of how this plays out with the original deadline coming soon and then a likely extension possibly to that or a possible hard exit. What are you picturing? What assumptions are you working under? Well, uh, look, I'm 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 no expert on on you know UK procedure. It, it certainly seems like there's going to be some type of extension, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a two or three year. I, I think th- there's going to be some compromise made to to have some type of of Brexit happen. I would say within the next year. I I, I still think the majority of people in England. Um, want pre-exit to happen. You know, if you, if you look at at the vote, Northern Ireland was 65% uh, to to stay. You know, Scotland was 55 or 60%, but but England was was you know pretty extreme on the on on the exit vote. Um, and I and I think that will will eventually happen. Fair enough. Well, David, I mean, you might not believe this, but we're already running up against time, our normal uh, time that we have here at uh, Trading Perspectives. We like to keep it between 15 and 20 minutes. We're right now at 17 and a half minutes, but this is wonderful. A good insight, uh, insight that I would not have, uh, frankly, uh, being <laughs> my background. I'm I'm just the mutt, truthfully. Uh, same, same as, as French, I believe. I, I, I've got to have a little bit in there. <laughs> so, so with that, guys, thank you all so much for listening. We always love to it's hear from fun. you all. I mean, it has been fun, and we always love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any questions or comments about this, please let us know. You can always send us an email to tradingperspectives at oakworthcapital.com, or you can leave us a review on the podcast outlet of your choice. Of course, if you like what you heard today and and have liked what you've heard on Trading Perspectives, please, by all means, tell your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and go out there and post it on your social media or your LinkedIn page. If you're interested in hearing more of what we have to say or more more specifically in reading more of what we have to say, you can check out our blog, Common Sense, at oakworthcapital.com underneath the Thought Leadership tab. Sam, do you have anything else today? No, that's all I got. David, how about you? Do you have anything else today? I'm good. Thank you. All right. I am too. Thank you, David. Thank you, guys, and y'all take care. <laughs>